Good morning, everyone. Yeah, good to be with you again today. Um, yeah, so for those of you that uh, weren't here last time, we're halfway through the book of Jonah, and I'm just going to give you a quick recap. So Jonah was an Israeli prophet, uh, and God spoke very clearly to him to preach against the city of Nineveh because of its great wickedness. And the city of Nineveh, that was the capital of Assyria, which is an old kingdom of ancient times. And the city still, uh, it's in Iraq today. So Jonah had this very clear command. There's no arguing against it. It was very clear, but Jonah rebelled deliberately and strongly by running in the absolute opposite direction. God commanded him to go, uh, I've got to think on the map. Anyway, he commanded him to go one way, but Jonah went the complete opposite way. So as he's taking a ship in the opposite direction, God sent a huge storm. And Jonah recognized the storm is from God. Uh, But despite this, uh, he doesn't repent in his heart, but there's, he's on the boat, all the sailors are packing it in, and what does Jonah do? He doesn't repent, throw me into the sea. Like, like he, he, unbelievable. He doesn't tell him, turn the boat around, oh God, I'll repent. No, no, just throw, throw me overboard. And, and this is a very symbolic act. Very symbolic. Like um, Jesus talks about a parable in the New Testament about the man that um, took the talent that God had given him. A talent was a unit of money. Um, and the man dug a hole, he buried it, and when <laughs> and when when the master came back, you know this this talent, this unit of money that this man was entrusted in to invest and use to you know, grow for the master of the business. Uh, the man just got it out of the hole and said, here, here's the money back that you gave me. And the master was like, why didn't you even put it in the bank? I could have had some interest. So, you know, and so Jonah, he was taking the life, the body, the ministry. Uh, he just threw it all into the sea. And... Um, yeah, don't, don't be careless with what God's entrusted you with. That's that's first point um, in my recap. Um, I had a friend, I had a friend that um, was on the Spirit of Tasmania and he was on the end of the boat, I'm pretty sure. This is the second hand. And uh, he was throwing his phone up and catching it over the end of the boat. <laughs> he threw it up and... It was gone. So don't don't be careless with the things that they're important. A phone not so important. Your life a lot more important. So let's continue where we left off from last time. The Bible says, "Now the Lord had prepared." A, if you want to turn to Jonah, uh, book of Jonah with your Bible, then now's a good time. I've got I've got it all in here. Um, and so we came on uh, verse 17 of, I think it was chapter 2, or 3, chapter, th- chapter 2. 
Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days, three nights. Like Andy said, it's always best and easiest to go God's way first time. God has things for us to do. He's got places he wants us to be, people he wants us to see, and our heart and journey are all important. And have you ever plugged in your destination to Google Maps? And, you know, it might be a big journey you want to take, right? I need to be here at a certain time. And then, you know, in the conditions, you, you take the wrong turning. And you hear a little robotic voice in the background, rerouting. And uh, depending on, like, what Siri does at that point or whatever um, device you've got, you could be rerouted, you know, it's a completely different journey that might take you, like, you know, all day versus one hour to, to get to that same point. Um, and then if you take a turn in again, rerouting, rerouting. And so, you know, this is, this is Jonah's rerouting. <laughs> he, had a, he had a clear, you know, couple, you know, so many day journey, but he's taken the wrong direction and he's having to go through, you know, far flung, you know, desert-like experiences. Um, so, yeah, it's always best to go God's way first time. The Bible says that we reap what we sow and rebellion is as just as bad as the sin of witchcraft. Jonah's now about to start reaping the results of his actions. And I want you all to pause and think about uh, what it might have been like inside the belly of the fish. Uh, can, like, I'm, I'm having to make this a little bit interactive. Can anyone give me some suggestions? Acidic, Acidic yep. Dark, Dark yep. No. What was that, sorry? Smelly. Smelly, yeah, I reckon it would be foul. Slimy. <laughs> yep, slimy. Scary. Scary. <laughs> Who reckons he didn't sleep for the entire three days? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, Jonah was in the midst of the melting pot. Uh, and what is the melting pot? The Bible says in Proverbs 17.3, the refining pot is for silver, the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. So Jonah's there, he's three days, it's very bad inside this uh, uh, fish. So let's go. Chapter 2. And so that's the end of the recap. <laughs> let's uh, go to the next chapter. So, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly, and he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The waters surrounded me, 
even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit. O Lord my God, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay from what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. The name Israel means he who wrestles with God. And sometimes God has to wrestle with us to deliver us from our own rebellious ways. The Bible says that God chastises us for our own benefit. Um, God chastises us. Anything he does is always perfect, always loving always right and so God chastises us in a pure and perfect way with a scalpel against sin that is so fine a blade it removes the stone and leaves the living part of the heart intact the Bible's also uh, used by God to chastise and um, and by God's words, we were brought to life. The um, Bible says in Hebrews 4.12, The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. In Hebrews 12.11 it says, Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Which is a good thing. There's, there's more than a silver lining at the end of... You know, how does that work? There's more than a silver lining to the cloud. There's a lot more. If God's got, if he chastises you, he's got a plan for the chastisement. It's always to bring about something very good. So if you find yourself in God's melting pot, (laughs) what do you do? Very simple. Uh, Repent. Just repent very quickly. Don't wait three days. I'm not sure if he did wait the whole three days, but don't, don't wait, just, just do. In Psalm 119, uh, 67, it says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Uh, not in the same Psalm, not verse 92, it says, Unless your law had been my delight, I would then have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. And that's what we want, don't we? We want life. 
So let's go back to let's go to the next chapter, chapter uh, four. Now um, Jonah, oh sorry, chapter three. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, "Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, city, and preach to it the message that I tell you." So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and lay aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. And cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Imagine if that was Hobart, you know. That would be amazing. That's what we would love to see. There is incredible blessings in being obedient to God's calling. The wickedness and impending doom upon Nineveh had been stopped. The angels in heaven would have rejoiced. The people of Nineveh would have been glad to be in a city where love abounds again. And all in one act of obedience by Jonah, finally. But one act, obedience. The Bible says that the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. And we each have a gift. We each have a calling. In God, and they are irrevocable. If you ever find yourself in a place of rebellion far from God, maybe in the belly of a fish, know this that God has not finished with you yet. The calling on your life is irrevocable, and at any time you can take God by the hand and allow Him to lead you in places that will bring peace and restoration to your soul. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Last chapter. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. 
and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was this not... Was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better to die than live. And... And God said to him, is it right for you to be angry? And to really understand the story of Jonah and what's happening just in this phrase and this moment, you need to know that uh, Nineveh was the capital of a nation that was fighting or fought wars against Israel. They were an enemy. They were a hated enemy. The Nitamites also were a wicked people. I mean, God says it himself. He's just about to destroy them. So wicked and fighting them. And um, I, I, I heard a, a parallel story about a missionary in Papua New Guinea. And uh, the missionary, he had his best disciple. He'd been there for a little while and he's... He had his best disciple with him and he was going to go, he was on this jungle trek and um, his, the disciple's name was Nutaway and, and the Nutaway said to um, Otto, he said, oh, where are we going? And Tuan, they call them, that white person means is, is Tuan in their language. And so he says, where are we going, Tuan? And uh, Otto said, Oh, we're going to such and such a village and such and such a village. And um, he's like, why do you want to go there? And he's like, well, we're going to preach the gospel. And he's like, oh, no, 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 Tuan. We, we don't want to go there. We don't want to preach. The, we don't want them in heaven. <laughs> they killed my such and such. And, grand, grand, you know, he listed off all his relatives that, you know, they were headhunters and cannibals over in that place. And... And Otto said, that way, like, God's message is that we love our enemies. And that way, his best disciple, he said, if, if, that's, if that's what Christianity is, I don't want a part of it. And he left, left him on the jungle trail. And, uh, and it was good. Otto didn't water down the gospel at all. And uh, it was years later that um, Nataway came to visit him and he said, uh, Hi Tuan, I'm ready to go with you today. Ready to go with you to that place. Hmm. So let's go back to the chapter. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that, might, that it might be a shade uh, for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But as morning dawned, 
for the next day, God prepared a worm. And so it, it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun rose that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than live. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, it is right for me to be angry even unto death. But the Lord said, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not laboured, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 people who cannot discern between the left hand and the right hand? Actually, sorry, the text says between their right hand and left hand and much livestock. I love it how uh, God moves the whole course of nature for Jonah's sake. You know, God knew the depths of the struggles of Jonah's heart. And in my opinion, the miracle that God worked in Nineveh was just as great as the miracle that God worked in Jonah's heart. Uh, There's a lot of similarities there. I really like how God questions Jonah to, to bring that him to that understanding. Like, is it right for you to be angry? He leaves the ball and Jonah's caught. Jonah has his answer. Okay, that's Jonah's answer. We'll do a bit more. And um, I think question is a very gentle tool for cancelling and ministering to people because it gives people an opportunity to explain themselves and helps them to draw their own conclusions. Jesus often used rhetorical questions or often used questioning. When uh, I think it was the guard in um, in in the temple, Jesus was being questioned and uh, the guard struck Jesus on the face and um, Jesus said, if I've spoken evil, testify of that, but if not, why do you strike me? And that makes that person think to themselves, well, why did I strike them? You know, oh, where's my heart in this? And that's partly, you know, I, I think why the story of Jonah's left it, left it the, at, at the point we don't know the conclusion. We don't know what happened to Jonah, whether he, you know, like, I reckon he did, but we don't know from the text. And so it leaves this question, where, where do I sit? Am I like Jonah? You know, um, are there people in my life that I don't want to love? And, you know, what's God speaking to me in this? Um, Love hopes all things. And the story of Jonah shows God's love and mercy for people. 
and proves that God's well able to deliver the hardest heart. Whatever provocation comes our way, our response is our responsibility. But in responsibility, it's also an opportunity. Um, Whatever the provocation, don't let your reaction be part of the problem because then God has to deal with you as well. But take the opportunity to partner with God to respond in the right way. Every action sows a seed, um, but every reaction also sows a seed. Um, So if someone's sowing a seed against you, they might be coming against you for whatever reason, let your response be to sow a seed uh, in the right way, God's way, a loving response. Rebuke can be a loving response. And only God can give you the wisdom to be able to respond in the best possible way. And, um, and win the victory. The Bible says in Romans 12, 19, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written... Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And I'd just like to pray to finish up. Dear God, thank you for uh, the ministry of Jonah, the testimony it is to us even down to this day. Thank you for the great work that he did in, in uh, being obedient to you and being a part of that plan to turn Nineveh's um, wicked ways into right around. We praise you and thank you for these things. And Lord, we pray for us that we would also um, have your heart for the lost. And Lord, help us to love our enemies and um, help us to trust you. Lord, you are bigger and greater than anything that seeks to come against us. And you're well able to give us the victory. And so we pray for that victory, God. We thank you for the victory of Jesus Christ. Uh, that he wrought on the cross, that while we were still enemies, that he died for us in our place, that we might be forgiven and cleansed um, from our sin. We thank you for that victory, God. We thank you for loving us while we're still enemies. God, I pray that you help us to forgive even as you forgive and pray for your peace in each one of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.